opportunity to hear your word. Thank you, Lord, that faith comes to us as we hear your word. You release faith to us on your word. So, Lord, if we give our full attention, we know that that word will come into our hearts. It's medicine, health, healing, wholeness, soundness. It's peace, conversion, everything that we need, Father. That word ministers to us in such a great way and a mighty way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen again. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that God says, I will never forsake you. I will never forsake you. Never forsake you. That's such a powerful statement because it uh, comes in the book of Hebrews and at the end of a, a uh, conversation here. And in fact, I'll turn to it now, Hebrews 13, 5. This brother is summing up. We're not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. It sounds like a lot of people. Sounds like the Holy Ghost to me. Amen. Amen. That's, that's why they don't know who wrote it. He says <clears throat> in verse 13, 13, verse 1, he says, Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. You know, when you're a Christian, you, you uh, are, are in a covenant of brotherly love with everybody. Got it. You see all men as brethren, even whether they're saved or not. They are the creation of God, made in God's image. And so we're to extend the love of God to all men. And he says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So that's part of brotherly love, is showing hospitality. Uh, to make sure that strangers feel welcome around you, that people who don't really know you that well feel welcome around you. We're to let that continue. And he says, <clears throat> remember them that are in bonds, in prison. How many of us have prayed the prison prayer? Some of us even go to prisons to minister to people as, be, as being bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. And so we're to uh, learn how to uh, extend compassion to people who are in difficult situations. Not consider that they've done something wrong and you didn't, but consider that you're human just like they are. That's what brotherly love really entails, you know. He says also marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Only the marriage bed is undefiled. But he says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And so we, we don't understand the judgment of God. We can't predict when that will occur. But, you know, it, it's a good thing to always, when you're, when you're uh, uh, living for God, at all opportunities, turn your back on sin and turn your back on the flesh and just go the opposite direction. You know, I've seen people totally mess up their lives thinking that because God didn't, uh, throw them out or kill them the first mistake they made that they can continue making they live a little sloppy after that but I would say this if you've been forgiven tighten up you know tighten up your walk with God let that let the fact that he he was shamed publicly for your sin let that mean something to you down here in your heart you know uh, he was innocent of of any wrongdoing and because of us, because of you and because of me, because of our wrongdoing, he was humiliated publicly so we, he could deal with us and our sins in private. 
see. We don't have to go through the public humiliation uh, for our mistakes. We can be forgiven. And then the blood cleanses us. You know, you're, you're washed cleansed and, and free and clean. Don't beat yourself up punishing yourself with bad memories. Because once you've been cleansed, the punishment aspect is off the table. See, I know it sounds weird, but it's something that we have to, as Christians, adjust our minds to. And, and with me, that makes me want to work even more diligently to please God. You know, once somebody's done all that for you, you don't take that for granted. You know, you don't act like it's nothing that's been done for you. And so if we'll remember that, uh, we'll please God, you see, we'll please him. And it says here, let your conversation be without covetousness. Huh? And he says, be content with such things as you have. Because of this, he said, I've never, I will never leave you or forsake you. So really, the fact that God has made you that promise means that you don't have to sin. You don't have to desire what belongs to somebody else. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can let brotherly love flow out of your heart without the, the uh, uh, fear of giving. See, this is, this is where we all run into problems. You know, one of the reasons, or I think the main reason that we don't give freely is because we don't really uh, um, have a clear understanding if we'll get anything back if we give. See, we all fear loving and giving because you think to yourself, well, I don't want them to take advantage of me. Or I don't think, I want them to think I'm a pushover. Or I don't want them to, you know, there's always this drawback in us because of fear that it won't be reciprocated. But God said, you don't have to live like that. He said, you can let brotherly love continue to flow out of your heart. You don't have to stop loving people. You don't have to stop giving. You don't have to stop doing anything. He said, you know why? He said, because I told you I won't leave you. I'm, I'm taking care of you. See, I'm, you're under my care. And so we can freely give and we can freely obey God if we remember that one thing. He says, I told you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. People might run over you. They might treat you bad. They might even take from you and make fun of you. You understand what I'm saying? They might think they're getting over on you. The devil loves to do that to people. <clears throat> he loves to do that to people who, who like to give, you know. I know all my life I've had the heart of a giver, when, even when we had nothing. And when I was growing up as a kid in my family, I always felt good when I could give things to people. And my mother was a generous woman, but poverty had crippled her thinking about it. You know, she got fearful, kind of, you know, drawing back sometimes. And, and so that made her a little angry when, you know, when she would see us give or something like that. You know, as I got older, uh, I, I liked to share what I had with, with people. And, you know, it's amazing. People will think that you're doing it with some motive in mind, like you're giving to get. And so a lot of times when you, when you want to give, you pull back because it gets misunderstood. You know, and, it gets, and it's, it gets you into more trouble trying to obey God sometimes. You know, it's like, right, let me keep my money in my pocket. You know, let me just go do something else and, and, you know, not even bother with people. But God says, you know, let brotherly love continue. Let the, the gift that I've given you to bless people, let that just work. Just put it to work and let it get free and let it go forward. 
I can remember, you know, I would want to share things, you know, or, or give something to somebody. And, and my mother said, well, we don't have money to do what we want to do, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I can remember uh, people that I knew when I was uh, kind of growing up as I grew up, you know, uh, if you went to a restaurant, uh, you know, if it was somebody that was fearful about their income or something like that, if you gave a tip, you better get that back. We don't have enough money to do. Well, why are you going to a restaurant then? You know, just go home. <laughs> don't even try this. But, you know, it, it, these things are seen as damaging to us. Giving is always seen as damaging. Expressing love is always seen as damaging to us or potentially damaging to us. Or the times that you give and then the devil beats you up about it. Look at that. You shouldn't have done that. Now watch. You ain't going to have enough money for this. That. Or when you need something, the saints ain't going to give you nothing. You know what I'm saying? And so we go through this in our minds when we're, we're attempting to obey God in just these simple instructions here. Let brotherly love continue. Don't let it be interrupted. And he says, don't ever get the feeling that you won't be paid back for what you sacrifice. Because I've told you, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And so those are very powerful words if we'll think about them because they will give you confidence to obey God when it's very difficult to obey him. They'll give you confidence to stand in a situation that, that may be difficult to stand in or you may have a lot of people telling you and everybody can give you good reason, good evidence why you shouldn't continue in that uh, relationship or that situation where you've given your word to stand by somebody. See? So what does it mean to forsake someone? <clears throat> it means to abandon or to renounce. A renouncement is something that's very strong. Renouncing means taking back words that you've announced. So if you say if you confess Christ, if you were ever to renounce the Lord, that means that you go away and say that you don't serve the Lord anymore. You got me? And a lot of people do that. You know, we, we try to say, well, they're still saved. They confess Christ and they say, well, he said, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be what you do for me down there. I'll do for you up here. See, you don't want Jesus to be ashamed of you in front of his father. You want him to always intercede for you at the throne of, of God. And so it, it, it's just fitting what we sow down here, we reap. And so you can't say that you love God and you, you still serve God and you won't acknowledge him. You know, you won't uh, exalt him. You won't share Christ with people. You won't live for God. You don't go to church. You don't worship. You don't pray. I mean, that's part of renouncing is going back on your word that you've made and a commitment to somebody. To uh, forsake also means to leave after a promise has been made to undertake for someone. That means to, to, to leave after a promise has been made to undertake for someone. <clears throat> to leave or uh, relinquish support, to remove your support or refuse to stand by someone. To forsake also means to give up something formerly held dear. 
So you can see there's a lot of this in the world. Many times people forsake their spouses. This is particularly true in a marriage covenant. You stand before uh, a crowd of people, you bought all this expensive clothes and, you know, been, you know, to cuss everybody out from the caterer to the preacher that lets you use the church to the lady that made the decorations and I want this to be the best. And then, you know, two months down the line, you don't even speak to each other anymore. See, you've forsaken your vow to be there for one another, to support one another. You, when you're married to somebody, that person, you and that person vow to be the number one person they ever have to come to in life for anything. That's what a marriage covenant is. That don't include going to daddy and mama when you run low on cash. Going to anybody else. That means you cling together to support one another. Now, how can you make that vow? You made it before the Lord. He's going to help you do that. He's not going to help you run away from any, uh, each other. He's not going to help you break up the family. I don't care what people say they read in the Bible. You know, I've had some people come up to me and say, I was reading the Bible. I saw where God told me to divorce my husband. Well, let me tell you what you didn't read in the Bible. He said it's because people's hearts are hard that Moses gave man a bill of divorcement. God ain't gave man nothing like that. A divorce is nothing but a piece of paper. Marriage is a covenant. Are you kidding me? He also said what he's joined together, not let not man put asunder. Well, God ain't joined us together. You think not? You stood up in front of him and made vows. What do you mean he didn't join you together? You still shacked up somewhere? Any lie the devil can tell you to manipulate you out of keeping your word, he will do it. You know why? Because people who, the Bible says, if you set your hand to the plow and look back, God has no pleasure in you. He want, the devil wants to see you cut off from the blessing and the mercy of God. That's why he get, gets you not to keep your word. God wants his kids to be like him. He says you shout not because he don't do it. He commands you to love because he's love. And he'll empower you to do those things. You're not powerless to do these things. You let him soften your heart. Quit lying to yourself. And quit listening to the lies of the devil. Your heart will get softened. I remember talking to a young girl. You know, she had had two children. This husband of hers, you know, he just wasn't taking no lip off of her. And that's another condition of the covenant. Thou shalt not give each other no lip. That brother wasn't going to get run over. <laughs> Talking back and don't want to, you know, do the housework, take care of the kids. She wasn't working. And she was determined that he was an abuser and she was going to divorce him. And I said, well, I said, the Bible still commands you to forgive. Yes. Yes. No, she was sold on a divorce. I said, I said, the Bible still commands you to forgive. And she looked at me. She thought about it. Does that mean I can't divorce him if I forgive him? See, she understood God was working on her right there. When she thought about forgiving, her heart started to soften toward that man. And she felt love coming up, and that was stopping her from wanting to get that divorce. See, you tell on yourself. You tell on yourself. It's hard to kick against the pricks, honey. 
hard to kick off. And once the Holy Spirit gets, gets to working on you, it's hard to kick against that. You can try to be Miss Tough Mama if you want to, but it's, it's hard to kick against the power of the Holy Spirit. He can reconcile anything, make you feel just as stupid for being mad at somebody. Been not speaking to family members for 15 and 20 years, and then one day God just shows you who they are and you melt. You feel stupid for sitting up there not talking to somebody where you could have had fellowship. If it's a, a relative, your children could have had cousins to play with and to know and, and have extended family, and you've been acting stupid. So we have to watch this kind of stuff, folks, because forsaking means to turn your back on an implied or a stated commitment to support somebody, to stand with them, to love them, to encourage them. You can do it in a friendship. It doesn't have to be a marriage. Any kind of relationship that you have where this is implied. Forsaking means turning your back on what you promised. It also means to give up something formally held dear. It means to desert or to leave someone who counts on you. People who have been abandoned in a marriage, you've been counting on that, that husband or that wife to be with you, to help you to raise the children. You know, not just financially, but, but in other ways. You know, you, you look at the fact that, you know, a married person, when you think of doing something, all you have to do is say, well, well husband, I, I want to go do so-and-so and such-and-such, you know, uh, help me to work out how the kids are going to, well, we'll do this, and we'll, you've always got somebody there to help you with that. Think about not having anybody there. Where do you go then? You've been forsaken. Huh? They've turned their backs, and many people do it within the marriage. How'd you like a lump of clay sitting up looking at you every time you want to do something? <laughs> See, they can physically be there and forsake you in your expectations of support from them. Many people have gotten involved in marriages and put off what they want to do with their life for a number of years, you know? And when it comes time, it's their time now to step out and do what they've been longing to do in their heart. And then the spouse doesn't want to support them in that. You got me? So there's all kinds of ways to be forsaken. There's an expectation of support, encouragement, undertaking that is negated and neglected when you forsake someone. And God knows it's a bummer. That's why he said he's not going to do that to us. He's not going to do it. To, to forsake also means to leave the church. There's a strong definition. I, I don't care whose dictionary, pictionary, wiktionary you look in. One of the definitions for forsaking is to leave the church. Why? Because when you belong to the body of Christ, there is an obligation there to be there, to support, to support the work of the ministry, to support the work of the gospel, to support God, to support all kinds of things. There is an implication there that you are committed to do that. People who don't fulfill commitment, people who think they don't need to do these things, you know. we got a world full of people like this. There's, you know, that's why when people, when we see people who give and who extend themselves, it seems so extraordinary to us. 
Even as Christians, it seems like, boy, that's, that's pretty powerful, you know, that they would do that for someone or they would do that or something like that. It's because we, we still, in our hearts, don't know how to extend ourselves without, you know, putting the brakes on or without some kind of fear. We don't know how to freely give, how to release everything to the Lord. And so when, when we see people who do extraordinary things in giving, we marvel, we take note of it, we, we, because it's so not human to do that. It's so not what we would do normally do in our flesh or what our flesh would tell us to do. So Hebrews 12, it tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So really to forsake also means, we said, to leave the church. It means to ditch somebody, to maroon them, to leave them stranded, leave them with little hope of being rescued. That's where many of us found the Lord. We got ditched by somebody that was supposed to be there for us. And then when we cried out, we found out, there he is. He will never leave us or forsake us. The one who promised to never do it shows up. And thank God for it. Thank God for it. He'll cause people to turn, turn their minds over where you're concerned. He'll, he'll cause them to think again about your situation. He'll cause them to remember certain things. Because he said he'd do it. He says, I'm the one who's never going to leave you. You can count on me. Just do what I tell you to do. Finally, you've met somebody that if you obey them, you won't be taken advantage of. You won't be suckered. You won't be marooned. You won't left, be left without anything. You won't be left without hope. And so the fact that Jesus has told us this, that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us, is very, very powerful. That's the one thing that's going to keep you going. It's going to keep you serving. It's going to keep you loving people. It's going to keep you reaching out to people. You know, I, I'm amazed sometimes people sell stuff, well, I just want to be used by God. Well, look at what the word you used. You know that word, U-S-E, use? When he starts using you, don't start complaining. Hmm? Because what that implies is that you are laying down your life. You are laying down what you want to do. You're laying down your control over things. You're laying down your desires for things. That's what really love is. It, there's an always a sacrificial element to the love of God. There's always that. It's, it never goes away from it. And so if we are the kind of people that uh, can only do so much, you know, and then I got to have me time, you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what to do with me time if, if you got some. You wouldn't know that being different from any other time. You'd be sitting up there just as bored and crazy acting and... Well, I guess this is me time, huh? It's me time. Just go do something for somebody. You know, let that be what you do for you. you. You got me? That can be what you do for you. You don't have to be sitting up there with them gnarly toes of yours. You know, you can always tell the, the me time people, they come out once a year to get them toes done. You know, and the little people up there got the, the mask on and the... You know, people kind of try to make fun of Asian people when they're in the the uh, the business, you know, beauty business. They put the mask on. Then people know what they're doing. 
They better, they better gas up for some of these people that come in. You better get the foot spray, the insecticide, the raid, you know, them old pump cans they used to have with this. You know what I'm talking about. How'd I get over there? Oh, yeah, the meter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they, they spread them six toes out up there on that thing. And they, woo! They got to charge you a little extra for this pedicure. Right. People think it's a pile of uh, uh, Parmesan cheese on the floor that you ingrated. That's that stuff off the bottom of your foot. Just a <laughs> we got a pound of cheese down here. Uh-huh. That's why they call you Parmesan when you come in there for your appointment. Hello, Miss Parmesan. You think they don't know how to pronounce your last name? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done with that. Hello, Miss Parmesan. <laughs> so what type of relationships are we talking about? God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Number one, God has a covenant relationship with us. And that implies so many things. Covenant will always cover necessary elements of life. God sees your, your security as far as your health and well-being are concerned, your shelter, food, clothing. So a covenant definitely covers those things. God is very interested in our comfort. He's interested in our survival. And he says, in this I will never leave you. Why? Because sometimes we leave him. Hmm? You get a good idea and you run off with it and you realize you didn't talk to God about it. And so we leave him. Sometimes we get upset with people. Don't want to forgive. Don't want to love. Don't want to. We think it's all not worth it anymore. We leave him. But he says, I don't leave you. I won't forsake you. Now, see, when we have a history of kind of like leaving God behind and not being diligent, there comes this thing up in us that feels that somehow he's not going to whatever we need. And so really, our forsaking him has caused us to project that onto him. You got it? So we fear that God won't be for us. We fear that he won't be with us. We fear. And so what we have to do as human beings is, is, is diligently worked, work to keep our minds renewed to the fact that he is the principal giver in this relationship. And it's okay with him. I'm going to say it again because, see, people just stunned, you know, because we're always trying to figure out how we're going to do this and how we're going to get God to do this and how we're going to please God. And how You ain't doing nothing. He's doing everything. He provides the love. He provides the encouragement. He provides the life. When you wake up in the morning, it's because the Holy Spirit quickened your body, made your body alive.
Praise God. So he says he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. Tom, get me straightened out. You know, I prefer this one, okay? I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And while we on the That's very ghetto rigged, ain't it? I that. know that's right. <laughs> you got thrown out the wedding, but that's something else. We will never leave you or forsake you. That's <laughs> the topic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So it says here, <clears throat> where was I anyway? <laughs> I forgot. I got over on CeCe's business. Praise God. But God has said he will never leave us nor will he forsake us, even though we leave him and we forsake him. There are times when God wants us to pray for people and we put it off. Huh? Know how I know you do? Because when the first time you say you're going to pray with your prayer partner, you have something more important to do. And see, you can only do that for so long without it adding up to I'm not worthy on the inside of your mind and your heart. So this is why when we go to God many times for the things that we need, we have that doubt and we think he's going to forsake us and he's not going to keep his word. But this one is not conditional. If you read it. He says, be content with what things soever you have, because I have already said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now, the fact that he won't leave you is very important, because if there's something wrong between you and God, the fact that he's still there means he's willing to work it out with you. I'm going to say that again. You know what? People stay too much in goofiness. We goof up because we get lazy or we get mad at the prayer partner, or we get mad at Pastor Shirley, mad at Pastor Barb, and skip doing being obedient once or twice. Huh? You're mad at somebody. So you fear you're going to hurt somebody by being disobedient to what God told you. You wind up you to hurt yourself. Because now you don't believe he'll get you a better job. So you get stuck at $8 an hour for 15 years because you can't get over the fact that God has already told you, I will not leave you. I'm here for you. And many times he's here for you to get on your knees and admit what you did wrong this time. And ask him to forgive you. And you go on with the relationship like nothing bad ever happened. But you have to get used to living like that. Because if you don't get used to living like that, you will never be successful as a Christian. When my husband passed away, I was talking to the Lord about provision. And I kept saying, God, I can't do this. I don't know if I can. And, and, and the Lord reminded me. He said, well, when he was alive, I was taking care of the both of you. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there crying. I said, how did I get here? You got me? How did I get here? I love the Lord. I work for God. But yet, 
in this thing I didn't remember that he wouldn't leave me. He's always taken care of me and I put man up there in front of God. It's easy to do, folks. It's easy to do. All you have to do is sit there and be in natural, be in your natural self for too long. And you stepped outside of the respectful area of your covenant where you know you need to abide. You need to abide in a certain place in God in order to be right and to feel right and to think right about yourself. If you don't think right about yourself, this means nothing. This whole covenant is a wash. You got me? Because you'll never enter into some... It's like sleeping around on your husband and then thinking you're going to feel good about him coming home pretending. You got me? Same thing. I've never done it. I don't know what it's like, but I can imagine being stupid and thinking you're getting away with something and you're not. And that person is right there willing to stay with you, willing to love you, willing to forgive you, undertake for you and work for you. And you think, what is my problem? That I can't call my prayer partner on time and pray with him. Why am I putting myself through this? For the luxury of making them think then I don't have to call them all the time. You see what we throw away over nothing? You throw away your peace of mind. You throw away your sense of worthiness. You throw away your sense of belonging. Your sense of feeling good about asking God to do these things for you. You throw it all away just for a little nothing. What you doing back here? You got my stuff? Test, 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 test. Praise God. We good? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Tone. Praise you came Lord. just on time. Yes, Thank I you. Did. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. I prefer this because then I'll have too much in my hand. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. But you see how they treat me, don't you, Tone? See, see what they this, see how they do me as your girl. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> Cupcake. They don't do me right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So we, we'll get it straightened out, everybody. we get you straightened out. I appreciate it, though. So, <clears throat> so that's why God says, I'll never leave you. You know why? Because in human terms, we deserve to be left, don't we? You know if you'd have done that to your husband, he'd have jacked you up and left you. Some brothers just don't leave. I'm so tired of this rookie stuff. Where, where do y'all live most of the time? I wonder. Y'all better quit looking at them unreal housewives. I'm going to tell you what the real deal is. Huh? Some brothers got to punch you out first before they got it all planned. So don't be thinking that you... Well, if you don't like the way I do stuff, bam, total diva on you all in one shot, you know? They jump up on the, stand up on the top rope on the, and go, boom! <laughs> they had total diva you before they get out of there. They ain't running from you. You think that brother's scared of you because you got a lot of mouth? I don't think so. He'll swell that bad boy up so bad you can't even open it no more. They got something for you. Yeah, put it on there. I don't care what you put on there. Huh? It's the truth. So we look at the love of God 
And we look at Jesus saying this and we just overlook this. Probably the most overlooked scripture in the Bible. Hebrews. Well, I read the New Testament, but I don't get that far. Well, you better start getting farther. Got me? That's where the good stuff is. But you need to to be reassured by somebody that you won't get left. Because a lot of times we need to be left. And we deserve to be left. But he says, I will never, never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll pay your bills. Huh? You know, some of these brothers for their own survival. Got to put you on a budget. You know, because <laughs> seriously. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> I'm paying them, but what they can't get but so far. You know, because some sisters just don't really want to believe there's a limit anywhere. You know there's one, but if he keep giving it up, you'll take it. <laughs> Whee! It's hard to believe, considering who we are and what we do every day and how we live. Many times we have a right idea to do and we overextend ourselves and promise to do everything for everybody and can't do nothing for nobody. You understand what I'm saying? You disappoint people. God doesn't want us to live disappointed. That's why he says he won't forsake us. He'll undertake for you. In other words, just because you've been bad, it doesn't mean that if you pray in faith this time that he won't pay that bill for you. But see, we let that hinder our faith because in the back of your head you keep thinking what, oh, it must be some. We keep that consciousness of what we've done wrong and our unworthiness. Like the prodigal. I have sinned. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Well, yeah, mainly because you didn't spend all your inheritance. You got me? There's nothing for you to, to gain anymore by being his son. But the father, when you forgive, you totally reinstate people. That's why God says, I won't forsake you. In other words, I'll always be there to do what I initially told you before you got stupid, before you start cutting up at church, before you start giving everybody a hard time, before you start telling your parents you don't have to do what they say no more because I didn't get 16. And still in the ninth grade? Come on now. You need to be good. Something ain't right somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, we do some very, very odd things. And then when we realize what we've done, this condemnation comes upon us. That's really hard to get out from under if you don't realize he's still there for you. He said, I won't leave you. I'm still here. Let me help you. God can help us back into the place of fellowship with him. He can help us back into faith. He can help us back into right standing. He can help us. That's what we need to latch on to first before we try to latch on to believing him for something great. You got me? You got to get back in relationship with him again the right way. And he can, God can reassure you folks that your sins are forgiven. Now you can confess it as much as you want to, but if it's not a reality to you, it's not doing you any good. 
you know, people go around, I'm the righteousness of God. I mean, remember, little robots. I'm the righteousness of God. Honey, if you don't really believe that, if, you, if it's not pulling anything to, into your life that's valuable to you, you might as well quit saying it. I don't care how much you confess it. Well, you know, when I pray in tongues and I confess it, I just feel, woo! I don't care how woo you feel. If you can't get on your knees and pray in faith and be assured that he's in there with you in this. That he's not forsaking you. You're not here on your own trying to work your life by yourself. And you can't go to God for counsel. You can't go to him for understanding. You can't depend on God to send the right people into your life to help you when you need it. I have a covenant with God. You know what that covenant entails? When this stupid thing doesn't work and little Howard's not here to fix it, and I don't know what the Hebrew sister doing back there. I'm really familiar with her work yet. You understand what I'm saying? He'll send Tony in so I don't have to go off on nobody because my stuff ain't working. I have a covenant with God that says I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, y'all think I'm mean because I talk rough, but I still have a covenant with God that says he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, he'll undertake me and help me. I know that because I know his word is true. And I can talk rough if I want to, but God's still going to come for me. You got me? You can't talk nice enough to God to make him work for you. You got to have confidence in the blood and what it means and what it did. You got to really know him in that way. I see ministers screw up and try to fix it themselves. The worst thing in the world you can do. Going around the people being nice and then they go off on you anyway. I said, I knew you wasn't real when you first came up here. You understand me? I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> it is. Because there's some things, everything, there's nothing you can fix, folks. You've got to rely on what he says to you. You've got to rely on this. You've got to trust it. You've got to trust that there's nothing you can do that can make him so against you that he will negate on this, that he'll go back on that. You got me? Now, I know we didn't cut up with a lot of people. Some of you got in-laws, outlaws. You got exes. You got three and four currents. I don't know. How, well, you know what I'm saying. People live all kind of ways. When I say current, I don't mean you're doing anything, but your heart is trying to figure out the next one. Amen. You know, we got more fantasy life than we got real life sometimes as believers. And this book is full of promises we're supposed to meditate on to map out our future. And we still sit up and pretend that he's on his way. Well, Jesus is coming back, but anyway, let me see. You know why you need to know this? Because of verse 6. So that you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. See, if you can't boldly say the Lord is your helper, something ain't right between you and him. It has nothing to do with man and what man expects of you and how the saints talk about you and your faults and your bad habits. It has nothing to do with that. 
It has to do with what you know between you and him so that you can say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear man's words, man's opinion, what man will do to me. Man, you know, whether man uh, likes my, my uh, uh, Facebook posts. <laughs> Rick, thanks for the like on the, the $2 prayer manual. I mentioned that yesterday. It's just a thought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, none of that matters. You know, you can get so caught up in that. You know, I, like I tell y'all, I can't go on there without getting mad at somebody. I say, you mean they said that and they got 84 likes? I don't believe it. I want to see them all. So you go try to find out who said they liked it. They ain't even saved. That's what you say. You know, that kind of stuff. You can get sidetracked real easy if you don't stay centered in the fact that this is a covenant between you and him. But it blesses others. You got me? It's not the reverse. We're not living for people so that we can please God. We live for God so we can be a blessing to people and please God. He's your number one fan that you got to please. What does it matter what somebody thinks about the way you dress, the way you look, what you say, you get on their nerves, they get on your nerves. What does it matter about any of that? Because God's always with you. He's not going to leave you. That's the one person you got to be concerned about. It's him. And he says, don't worry about me and you. Because my not leaving you has nothing. It's not conditional. It doesn't say, if you don't mess up anymore, I won't leave you. People do that. But God won't do that. And people do that for a good reason. Because they don't have the resources to love you like God does. You know, we'll wear each other out. Real quick. Just a little bit of some people will, you, you know, understand? Yes. you don't have the resources for all that. You know, God does, but you don't have it personally. Yes. So you love him. You love him as best you can, but you always are willing to draw from this primary relationship. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid of the words of man. I won't be afraid of what man says about me, what man can do to me. Man doesn't understand me like God does. God made me the way I am for his glory. You know, like God likes fixing up messed up stuff. He enjoys that. The Bible says that was a joy set before Jesus. He says, oh, you broken down? He said, I like broken stuff because I can come and fix it up. He said, it'll amaze you what, you know, one of the favorite shows, I like that American Restoration show. Because the people come in there with that rusted out stuff, and that guy says, oh yeah, you know, I can do it. I said, you better be able to do something, you know what I'm saying? But, but they'll look at that, and they have a vision of something wonderful, and they can reassure you that they can do it, and when it comes back, it is exactly the way they said it was going to be. That's God. He doesn't care how broken and damaged we are when we find him. He doesn't care how broken and damaged we are down the road. He doesn't care how broken and damaged we are at any time. He is there with, he says, I will never leave you. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to sit here and judge you and make you try to do stuff on your own to please me. I do that. Yeah. See, I get you to the place where you can please me. 
Who you can who can you know in the in the real world that'll do that? Everybody comes wanting something. Let's see if me and you get together, we can. Uh, oh boy, here we go, huh? Because it's dependent upon your contribution to the relationship. You don't have anybody in your life that'll tell you, I'm never going nowhere. You, I want you to please me, but if you have a problem pleasing me, you come tell me about it, and we'll get it straightened out, and I'll help you even more to please me. Nobody like that. Nobody like that. And he said, when you need something, you don't have to worry if I'm going to be there and provide it for you because I will never forsake you. I won't leave you stranded when I know you're depending upon me. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't leave you stranded when I know you're depending upon me. And you got to be woman or man enough in God to to straighten up and boldly say, thank you, Jesus, because you are my helper. And I'm not going to talk about deserving no more. I'm not going to talk about what you didn't, what I didn't do for you. I supposed to do. I'm just going to do better now and keep going on and serve you the best way I know how. That's all he's expecting out of anybody. So when you can boldly say the Lord is my helper, it's because you've worked through all of that that you feel has been a problem for you in your relationship with God. Being distant from God, wanting to do things on your own, getting caught up in what somebody else says they know about God, all that nonsense. And he's still there, still there for you, the same way he was when you first started. So we have different relationships. Life is composed of relationships. Friendships. In a friendship... It's a, a, a relationship based on a mutual agreement to lay down strife and animosity against one another. That's what a real friendship is. You've mutually agreed to lay these things down. So you don't pick up weapons and wound one another with them in a friendship. If somehow a misunderstanding occurs and that happens, you have to be willing to forgive and have to be willing to reconcile. Nobody owes anything, anybody anything, you know. You can't be like, <laughs> I've been telling people if they mess up, the total diva. <laughs> yeah, I tell them, I said, when you least suspect it, I'm going to be on the top rung of the, the ropes, and I'm going to jump down and boom, total diva. Huh? You can't do that in a friendship, amen? You, <laughs> you can only do that in a pastor, no. But you, can, you can't do that in a friendship because there's no retaliation in a friendship. You have to be willing to lay down your weapons of war and lay down your desire to get even huh? and, to, and to tell them something this time. You know what I'm saying? You have to be able to get rid of all of that. And let God have it. And so in a friendship, you will find yourself limited based on how you feel you're being treated in the friendship. Because friendships are not always well defined by us or by God. So in a friendship, you walk with people as long as you have agreement usually. And when you have that parting of the ways, you allow them to have their idea. You have your idea. But usually it's kind of conditional and it's kind of weak because you can only get along as long as you agree on things. So a friendship is something that God takes beyond the level 
of the mutual enjoyment factor, and he puts in the committed love that comes from him. So when there's committed love in a friendship, then that covenant is renewable over and over and over again. He says, I'm here for you. That's the friendship that he has. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, the Bible says a brother is born for adversity. Huh? Absolutely. In other words, if somebody's messing with you, you can go home and tell your brother that brother is born for adversity. You can test that in any family. I don't care how much y'all fuss and don't get along, but you let somebody, you let somebody mess with Huh? You met, let somebody mess with my little sister. You, you got me? Huh? You're born for adversity. You're going to be there in hard times. Now, you may not get along every day. If you're a Christian and they're not, you're not going to have constant fellowship with them uh, probably. But if trouble comes, if they're about to get sit out on the street, if they're lost a job or something, you're right there for them because you're born for their adversity. Amen? So there are some, some kinds of relationships that we can count on, but they're limited. They're only to a certain degree, and we can't press people beyond. Some family members, sometimes they feel like you ask them for too much, and they'll say, well, I don't have it this time. You still owe me money. You understand what I'm saying? And they'll break fellowship over that. So you have these family relationships, friendships that are, that are fragile because everybody has a limit to how much they can do without suffering in their soul feeling as though they're not being appreciated. So everybody wants give and take. It's normal. God's the only one that you can give 100% to and get back 100 fold. Not percent, 100 fold. That means 100 to the 100th power. You can get that back from God. It goes on into infinity because there's no limit on what God will do for us. There's no stopping point to his love. There's no downside to his love. Some people are looking for the next one or the one. So these are other kinds of relationships. Relationships, we call them lovers. There's romantic relationships. And those are the ones that are the least well-defined because people are looking for different things in romantic relationships. You know, I'm, I'm thankful to have Christian understanding of what relationship, courtship, and all that kind of thing is about because you have some guidelines in God to go by to make sure that people are not entering into relationships at risk. You know what at risk means? It means that they saw you coming huh? and just swooped in on you. You got me? In Christianity, if you'll obey God and obey the word where God's concerned, you won't have that situation. You won't, you won't have to risk. You won't have to, to work through difficulties. You won't have to compromise. You, you can have a relationship that's mutually respectful where the sky's the limit because God's the center of it. You'll go places you never thought you could go by yourself because God is the center of your relationship when you're in Christ. I was watching, a, I was really glad for the, I was in a little shocked, I saw a TLC channel allowed the uh, Duggars, their oldest son, to have like an hour-long show where he talked about his courtship with his wife. And they showed clips from when he was like 16 and they were talking to him about marriage. 
Now, you can tell those cameramen over the years have tried to made, make fun and poke at those kids because they would ask him something that they thought would be embarrassing for him, and he always came up with the right answer for them, worldly people. See, when the devil wants to discredit a believer or discredit somebody who's trying to live right, there's no limit they won't go. Now, see, if that were me in a, in a job as a cameraman, I might have been thinking, well, I can't push this kid because this is my job. But they don't care. See, they get involved with this and push and prod and poke. And so, you know, you saw how they, they knew what they were looking for from day one. That's God. Before you start expecting, before you start looking, God lets you know what you're looking for. And this young man always said, he says, I'm not looking to date anybody. He said, we have courtship where you know it's time for you to get married. You find the certain person you want to marry. He said, they didn't text each other without somebody else being, seeing the text they were sending. They always, when they had phone conversations, the parents were always online to make sure the conversation didn't go the wrong way. And look at what we do. Now, see, you see everybody's amazed, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it don't take all that. I mean, you know, I'm married. Now, yeah, right. Look at, uh, we won't even go there. But I'm telling a way to safeguard your relationship. You know, you number one, you've got to see yourself as valuable. And there's one thing I see about that family. Those children know their value. They've been told since they were very small. And you know what? The parents not only tell them, they show them. If you have a mother who spends time teaching you how to play instruments, she teaches you how to read, write, how to cook, how to take care of yourself and everybody else. If you have a mother who invests that kind of time and love in you, you know you're valuable. Many times we have parents that don't know their value. How are you going to, such as you have, you give others. You can't impart to them something you don't have. And if you're bound enough, you, you will steal it from them when you see them getting valuable. Who do you think you are? Think you better than everybody else in this family. Huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. So why not, why would they not treat themselves as though they have value and worth if they know it? When you know it, you act like it. When you know it, nobody has to tell you to confess it until you try to force yourself to believe it. You got me? If you know it, you know it. God put it there. That's how you know it. For any of those children to do anything less, they would have to renounce everything that they've been brought up to believe. You got me? They would. And so they, they know how to govern themselves in a relationship. They don't want to say something to that intended spouse that might defile them, drag them down, or make them feel less. They know how to esteem other people very highly in love. You understand what I'm saying? They know how to do that. And see, if, if we don't start sowing that kind of stuff 
into relationships. You know, if you're always trying to figure out if you're doing too much for somebody, just don't get married. You understand what I'm saying? That, that just is the wrong place for you. The wrong place. I was looking at that girl. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, my heart breaks for these, some of these people. That girl that we prayed for, the, the girl you ran into at the TV station, Stephanie, what's her name? See, I could go and total diva when she least suspected. You understand what I'm saying? You know, she's got a husband. Till death do us part. He ain't dead yet. I would have loved to have my husband another year. Would have given me confidence for another year and another. You understand what I'm saying? But you know, I've been, I've been, what'd she say? She'd been advised by her lawyers to, I've been advised by my lawyers to divorce my sick, disabled husband because it's only been like 18 months and he still doesn't recognize me or the kids. Maybe that's a protection for him because you're on your way out of there anyway. You know, God's smart. God's smart. She'll exit. He'll send somebody in there. They'll take time to nurse him and help him. And, and he'll start calling her by the wife's name. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, when God, when you're a public person, you have to be careful to stay with what, you know, the, the amount of God that you know, stay with that. Because things you do publicly Will, will, they'll be exposed publicly when you get your reward for that if it's a disobedient thing or if it's something that's sin or it breaks the heart of God. You, you'll get it publicly. You understand what I'm saying? Many preachers wish they had stayed sitting on a pew longer. So when they messed up, they would have been pew sitters and now they got all this reputation to live down because they got stupid after they got public. You got me? God will never leave us or forsake us for a reason. Because he knows deep down we feel like we deserve to be forsaken in some things. But God, but God, God will raise up somebody to take care of that young man. You know, the brother is born of adversity. He might have a brother that will consent to take care of him. You, the natural family always comes through for you. You got me? They always they let you live your life. Amen. They let you have your freedom. They let you do what you want to do. But get in trouble and you see who God can use. And God will use anybody. If the natural family goes stupid, he'll raise somebody else up too. You got me? He, but he will not leave that man, nor will he forsake him. Another relationship we have is our society relationship is composed of members of a geographic location and they're governed by laws and rules with formal ways of enforcing and governing them so a society you can only depend on so much to take care of you and undertake for you that's why it's not good to start letting the government control so much stuff that has to do with our personal welfare your personal welfare, that should be a decision that you make on your own for, for whomever you want to see take care of that. You don't need a bunch of bureaucrats or the governor or somebody telling you if you can have a pill for your bladder. 
infection. You understand what I'm saying? That's too personal. So stay out of my bladder, Uncle Sam. Huh? I'll pay my taxes. I'll be a good girl. But just let me, just please let me have my bladder. Can you please let me have that? Huh? But they want everything. I'm telling you, you're going to be the most sought after person on your block. Because you know lay hands, I don't know how to lay hands on the sick and you know how to believe for divine health. Because people, it's not that people are going to choose to do that. They're not going to have no place else to go. The waiting list is going to be so long to get in there. See, we're going to stop running in there for every little thing that's wrong with us. Huh? Every time we have a sniffle, we run and get another X-pack or whatever, X-factor or Z-pack, whatever they're giving out now. We're going to stop all that. We're going to stop and get in our word and, and uh, get, uh, get healed. I was, I was laughing at myself the other day. I had gotten to the point where I just really wasn't physically feeling good, you know, like for seven or eight days in a row. And I was telling the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I've been booked up <laughs> back to back. Here. <laughs> you know, I got stuff. You, you told me to do this stuff and I can't squeeze it all in, you know, and I really wanted to rest one day in the word. And so I, I put on, I had a healing, I have a healing breakthrough tape I can get through my phone. It's on the, the podcast. You know, click a like for me. Okay, guys, click a like for me, the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, when I went to play mine, it was going too fast. And so I kept flipping around to see if it was just the tape or was some all of mine was so fast. And I said, well, I'm going to go over Pastor Shirley, see what she's talking about. <laughs> uh, seldom do we, we preach on healing that much, either one of us on those. So anyway, I went over and hers was fast, but it sounded normal to me. And, you know, I listened to like six teachings in two hours. And at the end of them, I was healed. See, he won't forsake me, folks. I know I didn't study my word like I was supposed to, but I wanted to be well so I can get up and do what I needed to do. He won't forsake me, even though I've been a naughty girl. You understand what I'm saying? I live like you do. <laughs> How do you live, Rick? No. You understand what I'm saying? I live like y'all. I take on too much. I try to do too much. There's too much facing me. And I know I should sit down and do what, what comes first first. I was shocked. I said, she sounds normal on a tape that's triple the speed of it. I mean, I could understand every word. And I said, well, this is pretty good. Maybe I can use some of this Sunday. I can use this Saturday. You understand what I'm saying? And so I got, he healed me. Because I firmly believe my sins are forgiven. I firmly believe that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. I'm not bound up in some stupid false grace stuff. You understand what I'm saying? This phony grace people are talking about. How dare you tell people they don't have to confess their sins anymore? Are you stupid? I mean, the body of Christ is ready to get real retarded. We're going to all die in condemnation if we keep this stuff up. Why do you think that scripture is in there? If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. And if you confess your sins, listen, if you can confess for your bills to be paid, you can confess your sins. And if you can't do both of them, something's wrong with you. 
never heard of such retarded stuff in my life. I don't care if he do look like Michael Jackson. I look like his mother, so I should be, that ought to be worth something. Miss Catherine, I love that woman. She's a sweet woman. Yeah, she really is. In a lot of difficulty, she kept her head up, didn't she? Amen. Praise God. So he says he will never leave us and never forsake us. There's no fear in this relationship we have with God. You know why? Because his love is perfect. Perfect love casts out fear. Not our perfect love because we don't have none. You understand me? Don't make it hard for yourself. It's his perfect love that casts fear out of us. Huh? He knows we're scared of love. That's what keeps people acting crazy. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to keep looking at my notes. Praise the Lord. I was watching a, a video just to show you how, how perfect the love of God is. He said he never leave you or forsake you. There was a young man and he was, you decided to do this video, but his idea was to go around to homeless people one day and give everybody a $100 bill. And I, at least 60% of the people he gave it to prayed to thank him. I was praying for this. Thank you, Jesus, all Christians. I will never forsake you. You got me? And the one lady said, she says, you know, she says, I just would like a hug. I'd never leave you. She said, I know you got things to do. She said, and I don't smell good. Most of them say, I don't smell good, but I, could I really please hug you? See? They need somebody. That's missing. They need a human touch as well as a touch of God. But God gets them what he can get them because he won't forsake them either. If they're asking for bread, he sends somebody to give it to them. And most of them were flabbergasted that he gave them as much as he did because they were overwhelmed. In other words, he's a God of abundance. I don't care if you're homeless or I don't care if you got a job. He's a God of abundance. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. He's a, he's a God who does wonders. And most of them were totally bewildered that they got that. And I thought about it. I said, God, I said, we call Ben Franklin. I see you sending Ben Franklin to these people because Abraham Lincoln, all them, them dudes ain't doing the job. And we know they don't do the job. See, but God shows people how much he values them by sending them more than enough. Most of those people, $20 would have done it for them. The lady said, you know what I really wanted to do? She said, I can do it now. She said, I've got this dog here. She said, I wanted to give him some real dog treats. You got me? She said, I'm going to get myself some food too. She said, but I've just been praying. She said, I just, can you just please give me a hug? She said, I, I, I love Jesus. She said, and when he gets here, she said, I believe me, I'm going to be on my knees worshiping him. She said, but the first thing I'm going to say, can you give me a hug, Jesus? You understand what I'm saying? He will never leave us. That love is so important to us. As human beings, we need God. We need his love. We need one another. We need to keep our word to one another. We need to keep our word to God. God does this because he is faithful. Faithfulness is always an attribute of God. It, you'll see it in humans because it's derived from God. And God cultivates faithfulness in us. 
That's why he gives us things to do. And even when we throw a tantrum and don't want to do them and do them so screwed up, we hope, you know, nobody bugs us again. He makes us do it anyway because he's cultivating faithfulness in us. He says, I'm faithful. I expect you to be faithful. As a father is, as a son is, that's the way I want you to be in the world. He said, I tell people I'll never leave them or forsake them. I want you to keep your word that way too. You got me? He wants us to keep our word to one another and be faithful people. God always has a way to meet a need for us. If we have a need, he has a way to meet it for us. God is with us in the seen and the unseen things. It's not just for provision of natural things, but it's for the supernatural divine things that happen. Divine protection he provides to us. You stay under the shadow of the Almighty, and he will be able to guard you and keep you in all things. You went to sleep and he woke you up because he sustained you through the night. He never leaves us even to the devices of the enemy. You know, some people say, well, uh, you know, I almost choked on something. No, you didn't. Uh-uh, you didn't. Because God was there to help you and sustain you. You got, the devil got that close, but God wouldn't let him go any further. Why? Because he's our great protector. He's a great provider. Sometimes you don't know why you get hindered in going somewhere you set out to go and be there on time you don't know why you get delayed and you get delayed and then you finally set out and it's smooth sailing from then on in you might go to the end of the street and see four cars piled up you don't know when that accident happened it might have been when you were going to pull out of your driveway and so God's love even extends to the supernatural realm where he can help us the most this is where he can help us the most. And so we serve a God, folks, who has told us to be content with things whatsoever things you have, because things aren't that important. But I give you things, he said, but, but, but think about this. He says, I've already told you so many times, I won't leave you. I don't care who abandoned you. God's not going anywhere. I don't care how rough you are to live with. God's not going to leave you. You can't convince him to just, you know, I don't care how nasty you get, go for bad you get with God and anybody else. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. But he'd like to be there so that he can help your life. He can help you. He can guide you. He can strengthen you. He can make those things that you only dream about a reality for you. He'll make those things happen for you. And God will bless you with a good life. A happy life, a contented life, a joyful life. Sometimes, you know, we have rough beginnings and we wonder if joy will ever come to us again. But God says, I won't forsake you. I'm the God who can bring you anything you need. I can bring you joy. I can bring you strength in your life. And he says, and I want you to boldly come to me and say, God is my helper. Don't be afraid to reach out to him. I don't care how condemned you feel. Sometimes when you feel the worst, that's the time to reach out to him the most. Because he'll take that condemned feeling away from you. I don't care what you've done. It's not too much to let God let go of you. So get that straightened out first with him. Amen. Let him reassure you of your position in him, of his love for you. And then let love be your foundation for everything else you do in life. Don't get into working trying to please God and show him how much you can do 
to please him. Don't get in that trap. But just let the love of God reveal who he is to you. And that's what will stick. When, when things go wrong in your life, when things are difficult, you'll always remember his love. He said he would never leave me. He's right here all the time for me. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for giving us understanding. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord does have a word for us. He says, and, and, and he says when, when Peter tried to leave me and I, I looked at him and, and he repented and, and he said, Lord, I won't leave you. Where will I go? Where will I go? If you leave God, where will you go? Where will you go, says the Lord? He says, for I have the words of life and that's what's missing in your heart is words of life, says the Lord. For men have given you words of promise. Men have given you words of criticism giving you all kinds of words, but I'm the only one who has the words of life, says the Lord. I know what to say to you. I know what you need to have said to you. And I know when to say it to you, says the Lord. So trust me that I have you all worked out, says God. You're not complicated. And you're not too difficult for me, says the Lord. But I do need you to do one thing, and that is trust me. Above all things, trust me, Lord, says the Lord. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit taking the reins out of my hands and driving the animal yourself, says the Lord. But trust me, put everything over into my hands and rest in it, says the Lord. Rest in it. For surely you are living in a restless generation, says the Lord. Surely men run here and there to and fro, looking, looking, seeking, seeking, and never finding, says the Lord. But know that if you found me, you can trust me. And you'll find me if you look for me with your whole heart, says the Spirit of God. And I have said I will never leave you. And I have said I will never forsake you. Take me up on it, says the Lord. Just take me up on this. And surely I will bring you into a place of a knowing, says the Lord. And when you are in the, ro the room of knowing, says the Lord, that's everything. Oh, that's everything. Woo! The room of knowing, says the Spirit of God. For do I not tell you in my word that they who know their Lord shall be mighty and do exploits, says the Spirit of God. But you've got to know me. You've got to know me. And you've got to seek to know me, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. And the Lord says, I want to descend upon you and blanket you with my love, says the Lord. I want to descend upon you and blanket you with my love, says the Spirit of the living God. For I have ways to do that. I have ways to empower you. I have ways to strengthen you. And I have ways to help you release everything that you care about and that worries you and troubles you into my hands, says the Spirit of God. But you've got to trust me in it. Trust me, says the Lord. And I'll release unto you these great and mighty things that can change your life and change the lives of others, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God.
Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you need prayer, amen. He's good. Amen. Yes. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. And especially if you've never received the gift of tongues. Because when I was prophesying, I was praying in the Holy Ghost with the evidence 